Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined with co host Jonathan Miklos. And we're going to be previewing the Sweet 16 coming up, four games tonight, four games tomorrow, and even touching on some of the games that were happening Sunday evening when we, when we left here. But AM, surprisingly, came back, won a game, down what, 12, 14 points with a minute left, ended up winning, Jonathan. Just, just, I've never seen anything like that. You talk about a comeback. That's one of the best ones I've ever seen. What about you? Yeah, that game was nuts. I mean, down 12, 31 seconds left. You know, the all probability factors and formulas say that they had no shot to tie that game. And they come back and manage to do it on a great uh, defensive play. I mean, it came down to a key injury for Northern Iowa. You know, their their top inbound guy, somebody, you know, you don't really think about it as often, but their their best inbounder gets hurt, and all of a sudden they can't inbound the basketball. It, it affected the game in more ways than I think a lot of people anticipated. Uh, sometimes you get in, in like a fog, and that's where where they were. They were in a fog, and A&M just, just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. But that's why they call it March Madness, right? And on tap tonight, let me tell you this. The four games being played tonight, the biggest point spread is five and a half. That shows you how evenly matched this tournament is, Jonathan. You look at Maryland, Kansas, Miami, and that's a five and a half. That's the biggest, down to the smallest. Let's see, Oklahoma, three over A&M. Oregon, three over Duke. Villanova, four over Florida. I mean, these are toss-ups. All of these games are toss-ups, in my opinion, even the Maryland-Kansas game. Yeah, we got four excellent games. I mean, not much more you could ask for as far as the Sweet 16 goes. Um, you know, I, I expect some, some good basketball tonight, but um, I'm expecting some of these teams to go ahead and pull out some victories. Well, the mighty ACC, I mean, they have a chance to be 2-0, and putting two teams into the Elite Eight after the night with Miami seeking their first Elite Eight appearance, appearance in history of their program, and then Duke which holds the records for beating number one seeds, that's nine. But what about Duke, Jonathan? I mean, of of all the brackets to be in against the one seed, they chose it. They got Oregon. How lucky were they? The perfect setup for them. Well, does Duke really have it any other way? They always seem to get favorable seeding. Um, so, yeah, you know, let's not sleep on this Oregon team. It's a very good team. At the same time, you watch them and you go, what are they really good at? Um, and you know, they just good at finding ways to win. So I think Duke's, you know, going to have their hands full. It's going to be an excellent game. It's it's going to be about Plumlee. Plumlee's played well up until this point. And if Plumlee puts together another big game, Duke has a chance to come out with a victory. Well, the run down your brackets, I don't, I don't know who out there has a perfect bracket. I don't know if anybody does, but. Right now, Jonathan, in our bracket, Leanne Sports, I'm in first place. With I think I got 10 out of 16. I don't think it's going to stay that way long because of other people having national champions still alive. So I'm I'm in first place this weekend. It may change 
after this weekend. But how does your bracket look? Uh, well, if uh, if Michigan State had lost, it looked fine. Uh, three of my final four are still alive. I only have nine of the Sweet 16. But for me, it's all about that final four number. Um, you know, unfortunately, I had Michigan State to win it all. It is what it is. I still have a chance to get, I think, five out of eight uh, of the Elite Eight. And uh, I've got ten of the Sweet 16. So, man, the, the West region, I picked everything right except one game. That was St. Joe Cincinnati. Other than that, I was perfect in that bracket. I was almost perfect in the in the South, but the East tore me up and the Midwest really tore me up. So so we'll see how it all goes. But it's just hard to predict, you know, basketball one day. What do you have in one day? Anybody can go cold and and anybody can, can get hot. So let's look at tonight's first game. We got the two seed Villanova versus the three seed Miami. Villanova favored four in this game. I have a feeling, Jonathan, just watching Miami play, I think they're the hotter team right now. I think that I think they're tough to beat. They're, they play in the toughest conference. Taking four points seems like a gift to me. I think Miami's got better guard play, honestly. I know Villanova's guard play is great, but I think Miami has the best team in this situation. Um, yeah, go Villanova. Um that might be the FSU fan in me. Actually, it most likely is. Uh, but I'm I'm going to stick with Villanova on this one. I had them making it to the Elite Eight to begin with. I think they're a good team. They're playing a lot better inside than I anticipated. And if, you know, they give uh, Angel Rodriguez a hard time, Miami's going to struggle to put up points. I could see Villanova getting an early lead and just hanging on at the end. And I have Kansas and Villanova coming out of this bracket. So I do have Villanova in the Elite Eight, Oregon, Oklahoma in the other region. And uh, after that, really doesn't matter. I have Virginia. So I'm perfect on this south and west side, the left side. The right side, uh, I need some real help on. But I'm picking Villanova because I have them in my bracket. But I'm, I'm telling you, Miami playing that Buffalo team that was pretty tough and beating a good Wichita State team. I just think there's some confidence right now in Miami. I think the pressure's off a little bit. After the last time they got in the tournament with a two-seed, I believe, they choked early. I think now the pressure's off, and they're, they're just playing with house money. If they can get past Villanova, and just think if, if uh, Maryland pulls the upset, Jonathan, over Kansas, you might be looking at a Miami team going to the Final Four. I don't know if I could handle that emotionally. So, so give me your pick tonight. You're picking Villanova, right? Yeah, I'm going to take Villanova. They just look really uh, – that first weekend, they looked really good and in control. Um, so, I'm going to go with them over Miami, who they won okay. both games, but they didn't win comfortably. Okay, I'm going to go with you, man. Villanova, I have them on my bracket. I can't go against my bracket. I really need them to win. Villanova. In a nail biter. Take the four Miami, though. Uh, the game that's going to be coming on 20 minutes after that, one, 25 minutes, this is probably, to me, the best game of the night. Oklahoma and Texas A&M. A&M, you're talking about playing with with house money right now. Jonathan, is my sound okay tonight? Yes, sir. All right. We're so playing with house money here. You talk about A&M. I think 
you know, a lot of people think Oklahoma is just going to steamroll A&M, the SEC down. Even though I have Oklahoma in my bracket pick, I think A&M has a great shot in this game, Jonathan, just because they they almost died the other night. They got new life, house money. I think they come in and, and play it close. But one thing about Oklahoma to me is they have a lot of seniors on that team, and uh, they're just older and they've been there before. So Oklahoma's a very good team, dangerous team, could win it all. What do you think about this game? Um, I like Oklahoma to win as well. Um, I, I think it's going to be an excellent game. A&M plays, you know, solid defense and good offense. You know, it's just a solid team all the way around. Um, they're very good against the Big 12 this year. I believe they're 4-0. and uh, They match up pretty well against the Big 12 conference as a whole. So what I'm looking at here is Buddy Heel's got to have a second half like he did uh, last week. Now, with that, with everything being said there, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I'm going to go ahead and lay those points. I don't know if A&M can truly hang with them uh, for the, the full 40 minutes. I just I, – I, I, my, my thing is when a team has a comeback like A&M did last week, you know, against Northern Iowa, I feel teams at that point, they've peaked, and there's nowhere for them to go but down after that game. And it's just an unfortunate reality. We saw it last year. Kentucky peaks against Notre Dame, loses to Wisconsin. Wisconsin peaked against Kentucky, uh, loses in the title to Duke. You know, you see in big games like that, if they happen too early in the tournament, the team will suffer a letdown next time out. Yeah, and yeah, that Notre Dame game, I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, the Wisconsin game, I agree with you. But I just think having the time off, A&M getting a, a week off almost to kind of come back down to earth, and all they hear is the SEC is terrible. And remember, A&M was in the Big 12 not too long ago. So, these, these you know, it's not like uh, – I would say it's a rival, but it's not. But I'm going to – I'm going to go out on a limb here tonight, Jonathan, just a limb. I've got Oklahoma picked in my bracket. I'm going to say A&M pulls the upset tonight over Oklahoma. Don't don't, don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. Homer. SEC Homer. No, not that. Not that because I don't even – I couldn't even name you four players on their team. So, I mean, it's it's just I've watched them play. I just think that that game is going to put life into them and do opposite of what you said. So, so we'll see who's right and who's wrong. You're going to Oklahoma. I'm going A&M. Uh, 940 game, if you can stay up that late. Kansas might favor five and a half over Maryland. Right now, Kansas looks like the best team in basketball. But this Maryland team, how's Maryland going to stay in the game tonight and compete with Kansas? Well, Maryland needs Melo Trimble to have a, a big game. And they need him to take over, um, hit his shots, and keep going, attack the paint. Uh, do a good job of kicking it out, and you know the shooters got to be got to be ready to catch and go. Uh, you need to dominate inside. You know my my thing. Why I think Kansas is the best team in the nation. They don't rely on one guy. There's not one guy on that team that has to have that has to have a great night for them to win. If you watch them, it's a full collective unit. Five guys with guys behind them on the bench who can all produce. All are a big part of it. You know, if one guy's off, another guy steps up. Whereas we saw against Michigan, you know, with Michigan State, Denzel Valentine had an off night. 
you know, Michigan State loses. Uh, Kentucky, you saw some, str- some struggles inside, but you saw some struggles from uh, Jamal Murray and Tyler Eulis at times in that game. Kentucky gets bounced. So I, I uh, that's why I think Kansas is going to go ahead and roll past Maryland. I don't think this game is going to be close. Wow. Kansas is you know, the best team in basketball right now. Maryland, remember how – I mean, this is a team that, that, that's been there before. They know how to play. But it seems like Maryland always has trouble, Jonathan, getting past this round, doesn't it? Just, just making it to the, that elite eight. And the only time they've done it, they won it all. So, I mean, I don't know if that's uh, good or bad. <laughs> I guess it depends on your perspective. Who did they beat, Duke? Uh, back in 2002. Um, should I, I want to say it was Duke. I think it was. Uh, that was like an ACC championship, wasn't it? Like they had that that game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm going to go Kansas tonight, and um, – I think it's going to be within the point spread. I think it's going to be a good game. Maryland's going to lead for a lot of the game, but but again, like that that team play of Kansas, not relying on one guy, will pull it out at the end. The last four minutes, Kansas will make their move, win this game at the free throw line. And here's something to all these teams out here: hit your free throws for God's sake. It's not that mm-hmm. hard, Jonathan. I walked into the gym the other day after work. I work a full day, right, at a desk. I walk in. I shoot 10 free throws like I always do. Hit 8 out of 10. I didn't even stretch. Didn't do nothing. So if a 39-year-old man in a in a suit can come in there and shoot 80%, what's wrong with some of these guys? Why can't they shoot free throws? Or is it, is it neglected? I mean, is, is free throws not even practiced anymore? Or um, no. I think, there's, I think it's still practiced because nobody wants DeAndre Jordan on their team. Um, but, you know, I would say it's a mental aspect more than anything. You know, and I, I was Tracy McGrady yesterday and ESPN was talking about it, and he said, you know, really, free throws are mainly mental. If you're mentally, you know, can't handle it, then you're not going to make it. It doesn't matter how good your form is or how pure your shot is. If when you're out on the floor, you mentally just can't handle the pressure of the situation, you're going to brick them. Uh, so, you know, I think these college kids, they let the pressure get to them. It's, it's, it's a lot like college kickers. It really is. You know, that guy could be – he could be 40 for 40, but he'll miss that one kick mm-hmm. when it matters most, and it'll be a 19-yarder. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen it over and over again, haven't we? Oh, God, yeah. Stanford's got some uh, – some tormented history with that. Yeah, and so does Florida State. Thanks, oh. Brian. Oh, Burn. I also noticed a basketball game going on. Who's UT Arlington and New Jersey Tech? Uh, University of Texas Arlington and New Jersey Institute of Technology. They're playing in, I don't know, one of the CBIs or CIT, one of those. Um, I mean, I guess it's okay. filler. If you if you get bored during halftime, I guess you can watch that. Yeah, three-point spread on it right now. 17-28 to go in the first half. Villanova up five to nothing over the Miami Hurricanes. 
Ooh. Okay, oh, last game. Last but not least, this is the most intri- This is the most intriguing game of the night, no doubt about it. I know I said something about Oklahoma A&M, but Jonathan, Duke riding in with a four seed. We blasted them. Thought they wouldn't make it past the first round before the bracket came out. But, again, I have Duke. Let me tell you where I have them. And the, I have them losing to Oregon tonight in my bracket. But I just – Oregon's a favorite for a reason. Think about it, Jonathan. If, if you're Vegas and you know how many Duke fans all across the country, right? Oregon has their own little base up there mm-hmm. in Oregon that are Oregon fans. Unless you live in Oregon, you're not an Oregon fan. So they're a three-point favorite over Duke tonight, Jonathan. And that tells me all I needed to know. Uh, Oregon big tonight over Duke. Am I exaggerating a little bit or am I missing it? Because I think Oregon tonight puts on a show and they show the world that, hey, we are for real, even though we're going to lay an egg the next game. We are for real. (laughs) Uh, I think you're right. Uh, You know, Vegas does a very good job of setting the lines. They know, look, Duke backers are going to bet Duke no matter what. But, you know, if they set the line and let's say a pick them, you're not going to get as much. You're only going to get Duke money on Duke. You're not, you know, on the Duke fan base. You're not going to get the actual fans who are thinking maybe we need to hem and haw at this. You're going to see a lot, you know, let's say 70% of the action in Oregon. So I, I think there is a belief here that Oregon's the better team, which I would agree. Uh, and I think there's a belief that Oregon's going to win this game, which I think we are in agreement. Uh, I think Oregon's going to win this game as well. I think three's too low uh, just because you know it's going to be a free throw-a-thon at the end of the game. I'm going to take Oregon to cover the spread. Oh, it's six and a half. Oh, six and a half. How, I mean, how does that sound? That's what line I would put on the game, six and a half or seven in this game if I was putting it. It's out west. Remember, it's out west. Yeah, I wouldn't bet six and a half or seven. I wouldn't bet that. That that that's too good for me. You know what I mean? As far as setting a line, that's too good of a line to the point where it's like I don't want to bet it. I'm not going to take Duke in the points because Oregon can easily cover that. But I'm not going to bet Oregon because Duke can easily cover that. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That's actually yeah. what I think the line should be a six and a half. Yeah, me too. And see, we're right on it. Tonight, all you Duke idiots out there that are going to put money on them, good luck because you're going to lose. Vegas knows what they're doing on these big games. I'm telling you guys. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night, Jonathan. There's some there's some intriguing games. I mean, we've got Indiana, North Carolina, which I I still think North Carolina would have probably beaten the brakes off Kentucky had they played them because of Kentucky's pitiful pitiful post game. Wisconsin, <laughs> Notre Dame. That's a that's a game like who cares, but I can't believe one of these teams are going to be the, in the Elite Eight. And then we have Virginia, mm-hmm. Iowa State. And then we have mm-hmm. Gonzaga, Syracuse, two teams that <laughs> are multiple double seeds, right? They're double-digit mm-hmm. seeds here. Um, God, what a night Friday night's going to be. Let's start off with Syracuse, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's a four-point favorite. They're hot right now. But it's just something about Syracuse, Jonathan. When I get to this round in the tournament – Bayheim's able to prepare for teams, the defense of Syracuse. I like Syracuse. I know they're a four-point dog, but how can you bet against Jim Bayheim and that Syracuse amoeba defense? Is it an amoeba defense? Is that what they call it, or is that UNLV? Um, I, I know Syracuse runs the zone, close. but I can't remember all the nicknames. Amoeba seems about right, though. Yeah, um, Syracuse knows how to play here. Gonzaga, they do too, but they're not as successful as Syracuse has been. Well, 
And here's my thing with Gonzaga. So Gonzaga's been the hunted since that Elite Eight run back in, like, 99. When they made that run, they put themselves on the map and everybody was gunning for them. This year, they're finally a double-digit seed again. They're an 11 seed. And they've been – Vegas has favored them every game. Vegas had them favored over Seton Hall, <laughs> had them favored over Utah, and now has them favored over Syracuse. I'm not going to be the contrarian here. I'm not going to argue with it. I'd like Gonzaga to make the Sweet 16 and lose to Michigan State. You tell me they're playing Syracuse. I'm laying the points. I think Gonzaga makes the Elite Eight. And what's scary is this team so is, is hot right now. They're on such a roll. We could talk about them being a George Mason 11 seed in the Final Four, and good golly, I could not handle that. You've changed my mind, man, and, and you, you made me forget about them being favored in those games. You're right. Gonzaga was 11 seed playing Seton Hall. Didn't Seton Hall just win a tournament or something? Yeah, they're so they Big East champions. Yeah, yeah, and they're underdog. Utah, number three seed, 11 seed. Favored now, they're going against the ten seed, which eleven ten. I'm I'm changing my mind tonight. I'm changing, Jonathan. That's how good you are. You make me change my mind, and and I'm gonna go with Gonzaga. Not only that, I'm gonna go with them to make the final four. They're gonna end up beating Virginia, and they're gonna be that eleven seed. You've talked me into it, man. Congratulations. Hey, I do what I can. Ah, you know this is why they say I should go into sales. Um, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. But I'll show you on Gonzaga right now. Please have a place to Gonzaga. Gonzaga tastes delicious. Yeah. Come on to Popeye's and we'll sell some fried chicken for us. <laughs> hey, funny, funny story real quick. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about this in the news, but a guy was interviewing with Popeye's the other day in the restaurant, and some guy came in, you know, was robbing the place, was digging money out of the register. He comes up. Gets up from the job interview over there at the table, comes, gets the guy in the bear hug until they come and get the gun from him. They hire him on the spot. What do you think, Jonathan? Do you think that impressed him during the job interview? <laughs> yeah, I would say that's impressing during the job interview. Uh, if I was um, if I was interviewing you and you did that, you're you're hired on the spot. I might even give you a managerial job oh, with that one. That's uh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so I can't wait to meet this guy and to see. And, you know, funny thing is, this week, Jonathan, I'll be frying chicken Tuesday and Wednesday. So get ready. I'll be in a store near you. Oh, God. So if you're eating, if you're eating my chicken, be careful now. I, I, do, I do wash my hands. But all of us, even no matter how high you are up in leadership or management, you have to go do an in-store training. You have to to do what everybody else does. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? I like that. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, everybody be, be be warned, Brian likes to leave stuff uh, in the fryer about 30 seconds longer than it should be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, it's better to do that <laughs> than not, not, not do it enough. You know what I mean? Oh, 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 I'll eat through the bird. I'll eat through the bird. I'm not eating through uh, uh, E. coli and salmonella. No, sir. Yeah, exactly. So, real update, Villanova 10-7 to 7 over Miami. This was, man, college basketball is just disappointing. Ugh. Watching these games. Let's talk about Wisconsin-Notre Dame. Here's a, two, two teams that, that shouldn't be here right now, but they are. 
you look at Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Jonathan, I'm going with Wisconsin. I just think that that style of play fits the Sweet 16. Notre Dame's just not that great. I know they're ACC team. But I'm going to pick mm-hmm. the upset and pick Wisconsin in this game. I don't know who you like, but I'm going with Wisconsin. Um, well, if I was going to let my bias make the pick, I'd say Wisconsin because I can't stand Notre Dame. Um, but here's the thing. I don't think Wisconsin should have made the tournament. Uh, actually, we're, we are both on record saying that. Uh, same with Syracuse, and go figure, they're both in the seat 16. Uh, thank God Vanderbilt did it, or else I might have had a meltdown. Um, I think I think Notre Dame's better. I think they come from the better conference. My only problem with Notre Dame is defensively, well, they don't play defense. Um, Bronson Caning. That's a problem. I think Wisconsin peaked. I think they peaked in beating Xavier. I'm going to take Notre Dame. The Lions want to pick them one point. Who cares? I'm going to take Notre, Notre Dame, Dame to win yeah. this game. Yes, yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame to win. Um, if they don't cover one, I'd be amazed at how they scored half a point. But I'm going to go ahead and take Notre Dame to win this game. I just think overall they actually, they're actually they slightly better as a team having seen them both play. Uh, Wisconsin's offense, I don't think, is good enough to take advantage of Notre Dame's shoddy defense. Yeah, but beating that two-seed Villanova, or not Villanova, Xavier, I just think gives this Wisconsin team some swagger back. Remember, this is a team that played in the championship last year. Granted, they don't have Frank the Tank anymore, right? They don't have him. But Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good team. And that other guy, I can't remember his name, that could shoot the lights out. From, oh, from Decker. downtown. Yeah, Decker. I don't know. How's he doing in the NBA, by the way? Is he in the D League? Uh, last I heard, he actually got dinged up. Um, I know he's still in Houston. And let's face it, Houston needs all the help he can get. So if he's healthy, he's got to be playing. All right. You're going Notre Dame. I'm going Wisconsin. Let's go Wisconsin, baby. And then – the Virginia-Iowa State game, this is a kind of a tricky one because I think the line's low on this one because Virginia, their style of play, Jonathan. They they, they like to play in a low-scoring game. They don't blow you out. They're just very fundamentally sound. Uh, Iowa State's a good little basketball team, but Virginia, man, I just think they, they end up smothering Iowa State, I think. And I think Virginia's going to end up hitting some three-pointers in this game. To, to get hot and to separate. So I think the line's low because of that. But I, I do think Virginia starts catching fire right now, and I, I think they, they're they going to make the ACC proud. Iowa State's good. Trust me, they're a very good basketball team out of the Big 12. Ask Kansas, they'll tell you. Uh, but Virginia gets it done tomorrow night, Jonathan. I like them. ACC time, baby. Yeah, I, I like Iowa State as a team. I think they're a good team. Um, I've been waiting for Virginia to take off for a couple of years now. I love Tony Bennett's pack line defense. It's one of my uh, – it is my favorite defense in all college basketball. If I was the coach, I would uh, implement it. Um, they have enough offensive firepower between uh, Paredes and Brogdon. I think Virginia wins this game. I think they actually win it comfortably. Um, you know, I got them making the final four now. I, I think Virginia's a really good team that's been overlooked because North Carolina's a bigger name. Yeah. 
But Virginia is that team, man. They were so close. I mean, they. I just think this is their year. This is the year of Virginia, and this this could be the year they win it all and cut the nets down. We shall see. And last but not least, this is a game I've been interested to see. I'm glad it comes on at 10 o'clock. North Carolina, Indiana. Look, I've said it before. I think North Carolina is one of the best teams in the country. This Indiana team, Jonathan, I think being Kentucky gave them a lot of confidence. They've been playing good as the season went on, and I think they, they're going to get hot from three, and I think they're going to beat North Carolina. I mean, I think Indiana is going to beat mm. North Carolina. Leaving Virginia, that team, mm. one of them in the ACC, that's going to make the Final Four. But what do you think, Indiana? Uh, yeah, no. No, no, no. no. I think North Carolina is going to beat them up. Oh, um, Johnny Bryan yeah, I good. Couldn't, I, couldn't, I, couldn't trick you. I couldn't trick you into that, man. I tried to trick you, but you didn't fall for it. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, look, this isn't is Bugs Bunny, okay? You're not going to get me with the duck season, rabbit season. All right? So, Bryce Johnson is better than Johnny Bryant. That, that, I, have a, I have a belief in that. Bryce Johnson is going to have a big game against the freshmen. Yogi Ferrell is better than Marcus Pace. Don't get me wrong. I think Yogi Ferrell is going to have a good game. But it's going to be the wings. I think the wings are going to take advantage of this game for North Carolina. Guys like Joe Barry and Justin Jackson are going to have their way. I think North Carolina uh, pulls away in this one, wins by, let's say, uh, 10 points. I'm going to say North Carolina wins by 15. Uh, Remember before the tournament started, Michigan State, North Carolina, Kansas, Xavier, and Kentucky, those were the teams I thought could win this championship. Well, I've still got a couple of live. Michigan State, Kentucky, and Xavier choked. So I can't miss all five, right? I mean, one of these has to win it. So I have Kansas, North Carolina. North Carolina is going to make it with ease. Indiana got lucky that Kentucky struggled at the guard play that night, and they sucked down low. I'm still pissed off about that game. But Indiana was lucky. They played a team in Kentucky that wasn't that good on that night. They won. Carolina is going to hit you from all different ways, man. They can read. Uh, just think about it. How many offensive rebounds is North Carolina going to get tomorrow night? That's what well, I want to know. It seems like they average about 20 a game. I don't see why that's going to change. Um, you know, and, and Charles Barkley said it well when he was talking about Skyler BCA. Everybody talks about him being a lottery pick in the upcoming NBA draft. And Charles said, if you think he's a lottery pick, you're an idiot. And Charles is right. Because Skyler BCA got punked, punked by Johnny Bryant. Uh, and that was really the difference in that game. It really was. That, you know, he Bryant took over down the stretch uh, for Indiana and just kept getting easy baskets, and there was no way to stop him. And I think Bryce Johnson is going to be able to handle that. I think Kennedy Meeks is going to handle that. I think North Carolina is going to get at him, and they're going to win this game. I got the utmost faith in the Tar Heels to make it to the Elite Eight. All right. Well, if you want to call in 646-716-5564, we're about to touch on some NFL action. I don't know if that excites you or not, Jonathan, but where is it that that quarterbacks go to die? Uh, That little depressing city uh, that's happy they're not Detroit. (laughs) I think they go by the name of Cleveland. (laughs) RG3, what are you smoking, dude? What are you well, if you're going to lose, might as well lose starting. Lose. I mean, Cleveland wants to lose with a name. 
RG3 just wants to play. I, you know, it's it's a one-year deal. It's a team option for next year. Uh, I don't think there's any guaranteed money. I mean, for RG3, it's a chance to try and get some playing time and uh, see what he can do. The problem well, is Dallas, you're going to a Dallas team that has no protection. Team. Oh, yeah, Dallas. Yeah. Just imagine, you know, Tony Romo with his being injury-prone and RG3 being from Texas, I think he would fit well in Dallas. That's where that's who should have scooped him up and said, look, uh, I know you want to play, but just stay here a couple years. I mean, it's just a matter of time before Romo either decides to hang it up. I mean, he's getting metal plates put in his body, for God's sake, just to play armor, just to, to heal up. RG3 should have gone to Dallas. I think this is a big mistake, and this could be a career ender for RG3. Like you said, no protection. How many times is he going to get hit before? He's gotten bigger, but how many hits can he take at Cleveland? You know they can't win. They can't run the football. I just It's just going to be a bad – it's a bad move, man. I feel bad for RG3. And I'm not an RG3 fan, but I feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland lost their all-pro center and their pro bowl right tackle. Um, so all you have left are two guards that nobody really thought highly of and a left tackle who is – was very good, one of the best in the league. But, I mean, you, you know, it, it hurts when you lose two guys who are at the top, you know, 10 at least, maybe even top five of their position. You know, it would have been better for him to go to Dallas because he would have backed up Romo, and Romo's being held by Pippen Mache. Um, the problem is, and that RG3 knew this, was Romo's got to be, is going to be there another four years. You know, the, if he retires, Dallas, um, Dallas's cap hits larger than they would be if he was on the roster. So Romo's locked in for another four. You know Tony's going to want to play him. You know Jason's going to want to play him. Uh, a good situation for RG3, honestly, would have been uh, Houston. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, yeah, you know, what I are mean, they well, doing? That's what I'm going to talk about next. You got me into my next topic already. What What's Houston doing, man? Paying this guy without even interviewing all this money. And uh, what has he done? Yeah, I um, – Houston confuses me a little bit with what they're doing. I I I like you know, and I know we have a a friend of the of the show who has great hate for this guy, but I like Brian Hoyer. We he had a winning record as starting quarterback for Cleveland and Houston. I think that speaks wonders. Everybody who who talks about how much Hoyer sucks, think about that for a second. He had a winning record with Cleveland and a winning record with Houston when he started, and guys were healthy. You know, I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, Hoyer, you know, pushed Houston towards the playoffs. So I, I think you, we can't discredit him as being at least an average quarterback, good enough for that team that he he can he can play. I'm not saying he's a Pro Bowl or he's going to be an All Pro or anything, but Hoyer Hoyer is good enough, just like Fitzpatrick is good enough for the Jets, to where he can actually get you to that, to a, to a, the playoffs um, without really damaging your team too badly. You know, I, I know Houston's looking hard in the draft at quarterbacks, and they're going to roll some dice here. It's signing Osweiler, though. Just that's just hurts my head. That shows you Elway's like Elway's like. See, who's Denver get? Who did they get? Uh well, Denver's got Trevor cool. Simeon, who played quarterback at a. At Northwestern, I mean, you know Denver's going to draft somebody, let's be honest. Um, Denver's going to either find a way to package up into the first round or they're going to be happy sitting 
at the back end of the first round, grab a guy like a uh, a Conatuck or grab a guy like a Hackenberg, who I know Hackenberg had a phenomenal pro day. Um, and, and they're they're going to see what they can do, whether it's with the rookie quarterback. Maybe they uh, sneak in and sign Fitzpatrick. I know he's still a free agent. Maybe they trade for Mike Lennon, who the Bucks have made available in trade talks. And multiple teams apparently across the league think that he's a starting quarterback, including the New York Jets. So I, I think the Broncos, whatever they do at quarterback, is going to be a good, solid move. Well, when we look back at it, because Elway decided not to spend $18 million on a quarterback who obviously Kubiak and Elway didn't think would fit that offensive system. Yeah, whoever they get will be fine. That defense they have, for God's sake, it doesn't matter. Put me as quarterback, and we're going to at least make the AFC championship. But, uh, mm-hmm. anywho, let's go to let's go to college real quick, and I want to ask your opinion. The Big 12 Network, they don't even have a Big 12 Network. Mike Gundy spoke right now in the media about the Longhorn Network. He said it's a failure. He said they want it, he wants it removed. They need a Big 12 Network. But if you notice that, I think Gundy's right. I think that does hurt the Big 12 a lot because you see the Big 10 Network, SEC Network, how well they're doing, but all of a sudden, Texas is by themselves in a network, and it's causing some problems with other Big 12 schools. I know Texas loves the, the $15 million a year they're getting, right? Yeah, but I would consider the network to be a, uh, somewhat of a failure. Unless you're a, Tex- a Longhorns fan, you don't really tune into the network, and it's not like they have a bunch of original programming. Um, I've checked on it to see if they're running anything, you know, worth anything watching. A lot of it's just replayable Texas uh, Longhorn games. So I think for the Big 12, and I think this goes for the ACC as well, um, you know, they both need their own networks. I know the ACC is in works to get their own network through ESPN, which hats off to you. That's awesome. That's what I'd love to hear. Uh, But the Big 12 needs to get on board. I mean, the Pac-12 has their own network. Granted, everybody can't get the Pac-12 network, which is the dumbest thing imaginable. Um, but at least the Pac-12 has their own network. So the Big 12 needs to step up and find a way to get their own. Yeah, Texas doing this. This is when I think Texas fell off the map, Jonathan. Once they got this Big 12 network, it's like they went to hell. It's like they sold their soul to the devil. Their team sucked. If you think about that, when was the last? Texas was good before that, that came out, right? And then all of a sudden they started sucking mm-hmm. once that, the Longhorn Network came out. Yeah, I don't think it's, you know, it might be a coincidence, but, I mean, that's a very valid point there. Well, in the news also, I need your opinion on Kirby Smart at Georgia. He's uh, not letting certain players transfer uh, to other conferences. Like, for instance, if if Georgia has Florida State on the schedule, yeah, if you want to go to Florida State, he's not letting you go because you play against them. Do you think he's right with this? Do you think he's wrong? I think that these coaches can move around wherever they want, make a million of dollars. So how are you holding these players hostage like that? That's what I wanted to ask you. Um, I just think you're setting a bad precedent right here if you're Kirby Smart. And I think it's going to – other recruits may look at that and say, well, in case I do change my mind, I don't want to play for this guy because he's not going to let me leave almost like he's trapping guys. What do you think about Kirby Smart's decision? Well, it's a double-edged sword because uh, at one point I'm in in favor of it because it does limit uh, teams from being, you know, players from being able to go to another team. Let's say they have Georgia on that schedule. What's 
what's the inside scoop? Like, can you tell us about this and that and this guy and that guy kind of a thing? Um, at the same point in time, you, you make a valid point that coaches can essentially just uh, school hop if they want throughout the conference. So, what you know, what, what does it really matter? I mean, Miami did this with Robert Mars. Um, and, I, you know, there was a lot of backlash towards Miami for it. And, you know, Robert Marr, at the end of the day, was kind of shown that his, his intentions were almost not as true as he stated they would be. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a way to try and limit the player movement, limit them with a free agency, if you will, uh, on players every year. So I'm not, I'm not against uh, coaches putting the restrictions in. Um, but I, I do think that there needs to be a certain limit to it. And if a player wants to leave you and you keep him there at your school, how much effort is he going to get if you're really just throwing away a scholarship? But, uh, look, I don't I don't mind the conference and conference. I don't mind, like, if you're Auburn and the guy wants to go to Georgia and play your rivals, I say no. But just because you play one time, I don't think that should prevent it. But I think he should let him go to, like, say, Miami. That's what it was. He wouldn't let him go to Miami because Miami's on their schedule or, or something like that. But I don't know. Kirby Smart, I just think you need to use your judgment with it. It just depends on, you know, wow. like Matthews came from Georgia to Auburn. And Nick Marshall came from Georgia to Auburn without those guys. Um, Rick, Rick had a wide open rule. You could go wherever you wanted. He didn't restrict anything. And I think sometimes that hurt him because teams would just they would just get kicked off and go play for Alabama or Auburn. Yeah, and I mean with, with guys like uh, Marshall and Newton, uh, you know, since we're an Auburn fan, I'm going to use them as an example. They went the JUCO route, and then went wherever they wanted. So it's a little bit of a different situation. Uh, if if I kick you out of school, I'm, I'm not going to hold the same standards. At the same time, I'd prefer you not transfer into my conference uh, because then you're just being vindictive. Um, but, you know, the the big difference between the players and the coaches here is, yeah, the players, technically, the you know, you look at it, players are there for education, blah, blah, blah. Coaches are there for a career. This is their job. This is their livelihood. Uh, so for a coach to try and make it a little bit easier on himself, I understand. Um, and for the players, look, if you're going to transfer to a program so that you can have a better shot at making it to the pros, I'm all for it. And if you're transferring uh, to another program because you want to be close to home and there's a legitimate reason behind it, things of that nature, I'm fine. You know, but I, I think players who hop just to hop, and we've seen that with some of these guys lately, uh, especially quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have been transferring left and right. I think it was 60 quarterbacks transferred last year, and that's just an insane number. You know, so I think at the same time, coaches and, and the NCAA are trying to cut down on the number of kids who are transferring because it's, it does kind of take away from the whole point of recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. I like the JUCO route myself. Like, if you're going to leave me, okay, you can go play JUCO or you can go drop down to a smaller school. Something Maybe it's not JUCO, but there's got to be your word has to mean something if you're a kid. And, and it's not like they make this decision just off the top of their head. They go to these – how many times do they visit a school? Just tell me, how many times does a kid visit a school before he commits to and, and actually signs? Ten, twelve times? Um, I mean, I would put the average more around five. Um, and, and it's hard to count the unofficial visits 
they're, you know, it's not always reported how many times a kid individually visits and, you know, if he's not that far away from a school, he might be there, you know, 50 times. It, it, it's really, it's a number that's kind of up in the air. Um, but I, I think saying, you know, a kid who can, you know, visit 10 to 12 times is, is definitely more likely to uh, commit to that school. And I think if you visit that many times, then if you're transferring after a certain point, there needs to be a damn good reason behind it. Because, you know, you, you've already shown essentially that you love the program, you love the school, you love the coaches, this and that. And I need to know exactly what your intentions are when you're leaving. Exactly. Good point. Well, what about former Matt Bush? The top pick Matt Bush dominates in his first MLB spring appearance after leaving prison. What do you think about the Padres, man, giving this guy another chance and coming in throwing 98 mile per hour? You know, if that guy couldn't throw a 98 mile per hour fast, well, he wouldn't be getting this third, fourth, fifth, however many chances it is. I mean, last time we, I saw him, he was a member of the Rays, uh, and he was uh, being arrested for DUI. I can't remember the lady died uh, from the crash, but I know she was injured. So, most people don't get a chance after that in all reality, and he's getting one dope for uh, the contingency on him making um, a large sum of money. So, whereas it's kind of a good for you story at the same time as it is, you know, this guy is not necessarily a good dude. So now you're just going <laughs> to put money in his hand. I, I'm not, I, I'm not a huge uh, fan of guys getting that many chances, and, and it's also, you know, a reason why I, I'm not a fan of Josh Hamilton. I know a lot of people look at him as an inspiration story. Forget that, A, he really hosed the race. Uh, we put a lot of money into him to be a great athlete. He turned out to be a crash human being. Um, he burned his chance for Cincinnati, and he got lucky in Texas. You know, and now we're seeing him break down with the Angels. Uh, well, he broke down the Angels, now he's back in Texas. So, you know, I, I, whereas people like to see inspiration from these stories, I also see it as if he couldn't do one specific skill and I thought he'd hit a baseball or throw a baseball really hard, he wouldn't have never gotten a, a second or third chance in a career. Yeah, he's relapsed a couple times, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, what we we saw, you know, we keep hearing the reports. I think Hamilton's relapsed officially two times um, since coming back to the majors, and that just shows me that he never truly got clean. Uh, it's just that the people around him helped him hide uh, it from the public eye and, and protect him, and they're enablers. Yeah, quick update, 36-30 Villanova, and you can flip it on. Uh, what's the other channel? TBS, if you want to watch Texas A&M, Oklahoma A&M. Jonathan surprisingly up 13-6 to early. 16-minute mark right here. They get the break. A&M's hot right now. Up seven. Surprised? Uh, a little bit. I mean, you know, but it, at the same time, it takes Buddy Hill a little little bit of time to get into a rhythm as far as the game goes. We saw in the last game where he had, what, 30 points in the second half. So, you know, Oklahoma's a team that unless they get down by double digits, I don't really get uh, too, you know, double digits late in the first half. I really don't get too worried about them because Buddy Hill can all of a sudden drop in five threes and they're up by seven. Hey, Jonathan, let's flip over to NBA real quick before we go. What's the what's the best record ever in the NBA? Uh, Chicago Bulls, 72 and 10. 
Okay, San Antonio just missed that record by one. But here we are with the Golden State Warriors, 64-7. and seven. They're going to do it, aren't they? Uh, they have a great shot. I mean, they have to finish 9-2, and two. Um, you know, their, their, their remaining games to go ahead and get there. I think the schedule is set up kind of favorably for them. Uh, I think they can get it done. You know, and, and they're, they're also aiming to be the first team to go a, uh, an entire season uh, with an undefeated record at home. And that in its own right is extremely impressive to me. I think this is a great team, and I think if you're Steve Kerr, go get that record. Go get it. I mean, those those and, guys have worked for it, and they're going to get and it. And San Antonio, thirty six and zero right now at home. Yeah, they've done phenomenal as well. I mean, it would be absolutely amazing to see both those teams finish the year uh, undefeated at home. I think there's a great shot at it. Um, at the same time, both those teams still have to play each other, I believe, two more times. So, I mean, there, there's there's a chance somebody's going to lose. Uh, you know, at home in those games, and I mean, this is this is phenomenal. And, and at the same time, let's be honest: there's two teams contending for a championship this year, and they just so happen to be in the same conference. And this is part of basketball's problem: is that as far back as you really can reach, there's not a whole lot of parity in the NBA. There never really has been. Yeah, so, and I don't. They need to try and find a figure out a way to achieve it because you know you're not what people want to watch san antonio and they want to watch golden state but i gotta be honest with you if those two teams aren't on i don't want to watch an nba game yeah this april 7th they play at golden state then april 10th who made this schedule then they play in they play at golden state then they play in san antonio three days later I mean, this is – I think San Antonio, if they're undefeated at home, which they should be, right? I mean, they play at Memphis – or what, what is the day, the 24th? Okay, so tomorrow they play Memphis at home. Then they go to Oklahoma City, then to Memphis, back at New, home for New Orleans and Toronto. And then they go three straight road games, Utah, Golden State, Denver. Then they're back home for Golden State, Oklahoma City, and Dallas on the road. So San Antonio, I believe they have a tough – a tough road even to stay undefeated at home, Jonathan, because to beat Golden State, even though it's in San Antonio, is going to be tough. To beat Oklahoma City is tough. And then Memphis is tough. So if San Antonio goes undefeated, I'll be surprised, won't you? Uh, I mean, it would be a little surprising and from the standpoint of you have to wonder when Popovich is going to start resting guys. You know he likes to do it at the end of the year. He likes to try and get guys a little bit of time off for the playoff start. Uh, so, you know, it, I'm, I'm interested to see if when that uh, that last matchup at home against Golden State comes around, if they are playing everybody to a full complement. Um, I, I almost don't expect it. Uh, I almost expect them to put, put a skeleton crew out there for that game. Um, but, you know, if they're undefeated, Pop may think, you know what, it, let's go for it, you know, and especially if, let's say, Golden State is has nine losses at, at that point, you know, you know Pop would love to hand him the tenth one just to to kind of stick it in stick it in the, uh, the wound to do a little bit twist in the turn. Well, I'm still from the school that I think San Antonio is going to win the NBA championship this year. Everybody's on Golden State, all they're talking about, but silently, and Popovich loves this, 
Nobody's talking about the Spurs, really. Anytime you talk about the NBA, you're talking about Golden State, you're talking about LeBron. But who's talking about San Antonio, Jonathan? And I just think Popovich is using this to his advantage, and he will in the Western Conference Finals when these two match up. You're going to have two teams that dominate at home. And I think San Antonio is that kind of team that could sneak one in in Golden State early, play game one or two, and steal the series right off the bat. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that is outside the realm of possibility. I think it's going to be a great seven-game series. Uh, you know, San Antonio is obviously an extremely talented team. They have a great system in place. They can definitely go ahead and, and take one at the O. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to see it. That's going to be the first playoff series where I truly watch, you know, every minute of every game. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't miss that one. Let's look at – before we go real quick, Golden State schedule. They have Dallas at home, Philadelphia at home, Washington at home, at Utah, Boston at home, Portland at home, Minnesota at home, San Antonio at home, at Memphis, at San Antonio, and then back at Memphis, home against Memphis. Um, not too bad. What do you think about their remaining? I think they can get it done, but again, San Antonio, if they beat them twice, and, and they could do it, and they play Memphis twice. They play Memphis two times in a row, too. So, God, that, that record could be in danger. I don't think they'll, they'll. I don't think they'll miss the record. They could tie it, but I just they they're in danger of of losing the record and not breaking the uh, record. Well, from what you you know, from the remaining shows we're looking at, it, they could lose both games to San Antonio and get the record. And I think that's. That's like the worst case scenario at this point for them is to lose both those games. I don't think they'll lose any of the other teams. Um, Memphis is missing Mike Conley and Marcus Hull, and, and we've seen how how bad a, uh, that that has affected them. And I just at the same time, poor Memphis. How do you, four of your remaining games? You get San Antonio and Golden State twice. I mean, you want to talk about cruel scheduling? That is cruel scheduling. Yes, yeah, my good. I mean. Uh, that's that could you could easily lose every one of those games. And I don't know where they are in the standings right now. Where Memphis is? Are they around that? What are they about six? Or are they out of the race? I can't remember. Uh, I know they're in the race. Um, last I checked, that was a team that had forty wins. Yeah, they got forty-one wins. So. They uh they they're right now they're hanging around the fifth seed and I think if they lose those four games they're still I think they're still comfortably in. Um, I don't see a scenario where oh, Utah yeah. or Dallas or Houston can chase them out. Um, where whereas you know, I mean let's face it, if San Antonio, you know they beat Golden State twice, that's fine and dandy, but I don't know if they can still if they're going to catch Golden State for the one seed, and that's why I think the second you know that game in Golden State you're going to see San Antonio rest guys. It's because they they know what you know that there, there's nothing they can do. They're locked into the two. Uh, you know, it's really the one, two, three in the West is set. Uh, so it's all about yeah, but, you know who who's going to be really. It's all about who's going to finish six through eight. That's that's what's really up in the air for the Western Conference. When you look at the sorry East, the Hawks are in third place at forty-two and thirty. Let's 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 cut off the eight seed. Utah, thirty-five and thirty-six, right there. You look. That's weird. The the East is actually better throughout than the West, if you look at it. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the top, there's no denying that 
you got Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Golden State, and the Clippers. Those four teams, to me, are better than any of those Toronto or Cleveland teams. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if you went at it one against one, two against two, um, I think um, you would lean towards the West at least one through three. I think L.A. and Boston would be interesting on a neutral court. Um, but five through eight, I, I almost think you'd have to lean uh, towards Eastern Conference. And I think the Eastern Conference, uh, depth-wise, is a little bit better this year than the West. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, if they didn't have to play – Golden State, San Antonio, OKC, all their records would look better. Uh, They wouldn't, they wouldn't, because at the end of the day, there's no denying that Denver, Sacramento, New Orleans, Minnesota, Phoenix, and and the Lakers aren't very good teams, you know. And, and, you know, you're looking at a bottom six there. You look at the bottom six in the Eastern Conference, you know, I think Washington uh, being that, the top end of that, that six for the Eastern Conference, I would say they're better than any of those teams. I'd say Milwaukee's better than any of those teams in the West. So I, I think there's more depth in the East. I think it'll set up a much more interesting uh, playoff round as we watch the uh, two, seven, three, six, four, fives as far as that goes in the Eastern Conference. But at the end of the day, I still believe it's going to be Cleveland against, uh, you know, Cleveland losing to the winner of the Golden State San Antonio series. Yeah, watch out for OKC. Just just watch out. You better be careful with a team like that that has that much firepower from Kevin Durant and, and Westbrook. Those guys could take over a ball game. But, but again, you know, just imagine if Harden was still there, Jonathan, if Harden was still with OKC. Ibaka, and they had all those guys together on one team. Yeah, I mean, that, that Harden trade looks worse and worse every year that goes by. I mean, you could have realistically run out uh, a four of Westbrook, uh, Harden, Durant, and Ibaka, and it doesn't really matter who the fifth guy is. I mean, you could have gone, um, you know, with with, with a, a, a replace the center, <laughs> you know what I mean, and yeah. still had a, a phenomenal lineup. Yeah, you know, OKC's problems reside in their bench is weak. They don't have any scoring outside of Westbrook and Durant, and if one of them has an off night, you know they're getting trashed. Exactly. Quick update, 18-all. A&M, Oklahoma. At the half, Illinois leads Miami 43-37. Jonathan, anything you want to add before we get out of here tonight? We will be on air. Well, we won't be on Sunday unless I get back in time. We're going to try to do a show Sunday night uh, to Mm -hmm. review to see who goes to the Final Four. If not, we'll do it Monday. Uh, Yeah, I mean – you, you got to love that the NCAA tournament's winding down. We're going to see some great ball. Uh, the hockey playoffs, I know as much as you don't like to talk about it, the NHL playoffs are starting soon. So if you're a hockey fan, you know, you're, you're getting geared up. I do want to give a shout-out to a local high school, uh, J.W. Mitchell High in Newport, Richie, Florida. Uh, I have two cousins who graduated from there. Uh, I I currently reside, right, you know, essentially right around the corner. They just uh, were the first Florida team to win a uh, high school national championship in ice hockey. So congratulations to Mitchell. Uh, it's a heck of a performance from a bunch of Florida kids, pro- proving everybody wrong. You know, be a team from Colorado, win it all. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Hey, and since this is a sports show, you know, and, you know, baseball's involved in it, what in the world is the president of the United States doing watching a, a baseball game in Cuba, I believe, while the world's under attack here by terrorists? What do you, what do you think about that? 
I loved the gaming cube. I loved everything it symbolized. I loved everything it stood for. I, I love it. I absolutely loved it. I think it's great for baseball. Uh, I really do. And as long as the politicians don't screw it up, it is a beautiful thing. Because Cuba is a country that loves their loves baseball as a sport. Fifty five thousand people showed up for that game. You know, and they said the stadium was a third full. Uh, three hours for the game. I mean, absolutely amazing. Loved every minute of it, except for the broadcast. ESPN did a really overpraised on the broadcast. Um, you know, and, and it was it, it was really nice uh, from a baseball standpoint. From a world standpoint, what about, what, about kind of, what about Obama being there? Though, what you think about him being there while Americans were dying in Brussels and and uh, ISIS rampant? Well, I think he had to be there, as it is kind of a goodwill mission for the for the the country as a whole, uh, the United States, to try and see if we can establish some goodwill with Cuba. Cuba, let's be honest, it'd be nicer to have them as an ally as far as this goes, since they are 90 miles away from uh, the United States, uh, Key West Pacific. Um, you know, you don't want them all of a sudden being anti-America and having a uh, having a little breeding ground for some terrorists. So I, I think it'd be a good idea to get a hold of them as an ally. And I'm, I understand why there's a bunch of, uh, I understand why there's some criticism of president being there, but I, I hold no ill will towards it. Um, I, I loved it. And I, I just can't wait for, you know, next weekend. Baseball is finally here. So it starts. Um, Sunday night. Sunday afternoon, ESPN is actually doing a triple header. I believe the first game is going to be St. Louis at Pittsburgh, followed by Tampa and Toronto, Ooh. and we're going to cap it off with the Mets and the Royals for the first time. And I can't tell you, I don't think it's ever happened, but we're going to have a World Series rematch uh, to open up the year. you, you got to imagine the Mets are going to be seething a little as they get to witness Kansas City's ring ceremony. Wow, that's going to be cool. Well, you know, baseball's back. You know, we don't talk baseball much on this show, but that doesn't mean we won't talk a lot of baseball on the show. Now that we have people that are interested a lot in it, we'll we'll talk more baseball, Jonathan, to make you happy. Uh, hey, that's great to me. That's uh, right, right now, that's the leading uh, profession I'm going to go into. So I always love to talk it. All right, buddy. Well, take care. Thanks for joining me tonight on short notice. Uh, go watch some basketball and enjoy, my friend. Hey, sounds good. You do the same. All right. Good night, everyone. Have a safe week and a and a good weekend. Easter Friday or a good Friday tomorrow and Easter. So enjoy your holiday. And y'all too. Everybody have a good one. <laughs>